to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for a podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. The light is heavy. morning comes from the fourth chapter to the letter to the Ephesians, starting in verse 11. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up. In love. Well, this morning, before we, uh, as we jump into our sermon, I want to uh, spend a little time thinking about nicknames. And you guys all know what nicknames are. Um, names that are given to us, uh, not by birth or on our birth certificate, but they're names that we kind of get along the way. Sometimes they have to do with physical attributes, uh, sometimes with how we behave. And I had a nickname growing up, and as you can um, imagine, I am a large person, and also I have a large personality. So uh, my nickname kind of followed. So when I was in elementary school, um, I got the name uh, Biggie. And there are a couple of reasons that I got that nickname. Um, one, I was born in 1991, and just a couple years before then, Wendy's came out with their biggie-sized uh, food, and so, um, which is now their medium size. Did you guys know that? Isn't that nuts? Um, but they came out with their biggie size, and so uh, I was called Biggie from very, very young age uh, at church with some of the Sunday school teachers and some of those things, and that carried over into elementary school. And um, every every summer on the baseball team, every winter on the basketball team, I was called. Biggie. Um, and it worked out, right? And also because of the popularity of the hip-hop artist Biggie Smalls, it was just a good nickname, right? Biggie. Because I'm Eric, so it's Big E, Biggie. It just worked uh, pretty well. And uh, maybe some of you have nicknames. And I was actually thinking about this this week and, and had, had a laugh because um, there are some people in our church that I don't even know their real name. Like, I just know them by their nickname. Um, and so maybe some of you are that way. You have a nickname that you picked up along the way. Well, Biggie is an important nickname to me. It's what I was called during elementary school by the people that I loved at church and school and in sports teams. Um, but there's another name that is very important to me, too. Um, and maybe you recognize it. Uh, this is not my, a nickname for me, but it's a nickname for something that I love very much. The Comeback Kids. Do you, go, do you guys know what this is referencing? This is the Kansas City Royals. Uh, I'm a Kansas City boy, so I grew up there, and uh, 
And if you may, you may not remember, but if you do, 2014, the Royals uh, were in the World Series and they played seven games against the San Francisco Giants and they lost, or they, they were able to tie, almost able to tie the game. They were 90 feet short of tying the game at the bottom of the ninth. It was 3-2, Alex Gordon was on third, Salvi Perez was up to bat, and it was two outs and he popped up and that was the end of the game, hopes crushed, game seven of 2014. But then the next year, um, a lot of those guys came back and were still were with the Royals. And then they got to the World Series again and absolutely trounced the New York Mets in five games to win the World Series. I vividly remember watching both Game 7 of 2014 and Game 5 of 2015. Um, Sarah and I were with some friends in one and in a sports bar in Wisconsin in the other. And uh, I vividly remember that. And so they called themselves the Comeback Kids because they lost one year and they came back for another Maybe you know some other nicknames here, a couple other sports teams. The Lovable Losers. You guys know who this is? This is the Cubbies, right? This is the Cubs. Um, They're the Lovable Losers, although you can't really call them losers anymore because they've really turned it around the last five years. They've been a great, um, great team. And then here's another one. If we're going to make fun of Northsiders, we'll make fun of Southsiders. The Hitless Wonders. You guys know this nickname for the Sox, the White Sox? I can't remember when it was, 2006, or, or 1906, 1907, something like that. They had a combined batting average of like 200. They were horrible, and that was the best year that the Sox have ever had. So now uh, they're called the Hitless Wonders. Well, some nicknames are really good, and they're really precious to us, like the Comeback Kids. Some names maybe aren't so good, right, like the Hitless Wonders. Maybe you have a nickname that is very precious to you like I do, um, and maybe you were called, had a nickname in school or by your family that maybe wasn't so great, right? Uh, maybe it was making fun of a physical attribute or something along those lines. And sometimes even our titles can act like nicknames. And sometimes our nicknames or titles can be really good. If we love being a parent, being mom, being called mom or dad, or grandma or grandpa, that's really important to us. And we love being called that. But sometimes those titles aren't so good. Maybe if we have a broken relationship with uh, our parents, maybe being called son or being called daughter uh, doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. Well, I have uh, some nicknames that are very close to me. Biggie, of course, is one of them. But another one that I really like to be called is Pastor. If you don't call me Pastor, don't worry about it. I don't demand it or expect it. Um, But I like being a pastor. I like caring for my congregation. I like equipping my congregation, serving them, ministering to them. And, uh, but a nickname that I really don't like, actually that I hate, um, and if you've, if you've called me this, um, I'm not calling you out or anything like that. I don't know of anybody who've called me this here. Um, but I hate being called minister. I hate that word when it's, when it's talking about me. And sometimes I get called that out in the community. Um, If I'm working at a funeral or with some other organization, they'll say, well, this is the minister at New Life. Or some people, they're introducing me to uh, their family member or their friend, they'll say, this is our minister at this church, at New Life. And I I don't like that title. Because what that title, what that nickname assumes is that I'm the one doing the ministry and the congregation is the one who is consuming the ministry. And I'm sure Pastor Ben feels the same way that I do about that. I don't like the assumption that Pastor Ben, Pastor Phil, and I are the ones doing the work and then you all are just receiving the work as if we were like a Wendy's drive through and you were getting a biggie-sized fry, right? I don't like that title of minister. And part of that is because of this Ephesians 4 passage that we read. So let's jump into it. Ephesians 4 um, has this to say. The gifts he gave 
were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. As this passage begins, we hear about this group of people that Christ gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And what Paul is referencing here is uh, church leadership. Um, these are gifts that God gives to leaders in order to lead the congregation. Um, so the apostolic gift, the prophetic gift, the evangelical gift, the pastoral gift, the teaching gift. These are gifts that God gives to church leaders in order to do their work. And what is their work according to Ephesians 4? Is to equip the saints. That's the congregation. So the leaders are there to equip the saints and equip the congregation for what? For the work of ministry. It doesn't say that the leaders do ministry, the ministry. It says they equip the saints for the ministry. And so this is what we see here is that our leadership, and we have three pastors on staff, uh, we have a handful or more of other staff members, and we have a leadership team of 12. So I would say there's about 20 to 25 people um, that might be considered church leadership, both ordained pastors and lay leaders. And they've been given these gifts for a particular purpose, to equip the whole congregation to be ministers, So in fact, maybe we'll do this now as we're out in the community. If I'm introducing you guys to somebody, I'll say, this is the minister at our church about you. And so he calls the congregation the saints because they are the ones who do the ministry. They are the ones who are active in the ministry. And I know um, maybe there's a couple things going on in your mind. One, um, you might feel guilty. Because you're like, oh, you know, I'm just not doing enough. I need to do more. And you're like, but I work hard and I have my family. Or maybe you're uh, feeling a little bit defensive. And you're like, wait a second, pastor. We pay you good money to do the ministry. Well, if you're feeling defensive, um, that probably means that you're feeling a little guilty. So some of you may feel guilty. Some of you may be like, yeah, this is right. And you understand the context of this. So here's what I, here's what I want this morning. I do not want you to leave this place feeling guilty but we just need to establish the reality of the situation. The leaders of the church, we equip the congregation so the congregation can do ministry. The pastors are the pastors and the church are the ministers. That's how it works in the church. So we're going to leave here this morning not feeling guilty about not doing enough or feeling defensive about what that means. So let's look at what this ministry is. As Paul continues, the ministry that the, the, the saints do, the congregation does, is for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith, of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. So there are several things that are going on here. So the ministry that you guys do is to each other, is to serve and to build up each other until something happens, until we all reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all reach maturity. And not just maturity, but actually the full stature of Christ, which is a pretty amazing thing to hear. 
Now, as we go through this passage, we're going to read it one more time. What I want you to think, uh, I want you to pay attention and uh, notice any commands. Notice whenever Paul gives a command or a demand on us. The gifts he gave were that some be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. How many commands did you hear? Zero. There are no commands. This is a promise, guys. What we're hearing here is not Paul telling us we need to do something, but Paul talking about the reality of the situation. And so here's the deal. We have leaders to equip the saints, which means God has given us the gifts of leadership to equip the saints. And if you are a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, which means you have everything you need to do the ministry. It's yours. It's a fact. Full stop. You are in Christ. You are filled with the Spirit. You have within you, by the Holy Spirit, everything you need to build up the body until we all attain the unity of faith, until we all attain the knowledge of the God, until we all attain maturity, in fact, maturity all the way to the full stature of Christ. This is a promise, guys. It's not a command. You have it. It's yours, freely given. And I don't care if you've got it wrong last week. I don't care if you've got it wrong yesterday. I don't care if you've already gotten it wrong this morning. You have it. We just confessed our sins together. We've heard the forgiveness that we have in God. God knows that we're going to mess up, but it's still within us. We have it. And uh, so maybe there's a new nickname that we can, uh, we can own this morning. Paul calls the congregation something. He calls the congregation the saints. And this is a phrase, we've heard it a lot, and so it kind of is meaningless. Saint is just a word that means holy one. That's what it means in the Greek. That's what it means, um, the, 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 the same word in Hebrew means holy one. And it usually references some kind of priest. And a priest is the person who um, is the conduit by which God works. So they speak to God, and then they speak God's word to the people. They interact with God and then they give God's people what God has to say or what God has to give. That's what a priest does. That's what a saint does. And Paul calls all of you saints. You all are connected with God. You all are conduits of his grace, of his work, of his peace, of his gentleness. You all have it. So maybe this morning we can reclaim the nickname saints. Each of you is a saint. You're still going to mess up tomorrow. You're going to mess up today. You're going to mess up next week. But it's a fact. You are a saint. You have everything you need. God loves you so much. Christ died 2,000 years ago. And his blood was spilled. And your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future, always. Your eternity is secure. 
You have been given the gifts, the spiritual gifts. And Ephesians 1 tells us that we have every spiritual blessing from heaven. God is giving it to us. We have it. It's ours. And so here's the reality. As we've been talking about everyday evangelism, we've been spending the last eight weeks having this conversation. We've been equipping you guys with tools, how to make it easier to to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. We've been spending the last eight weeks doing this. And today I want to uh, break some bad news for you guys. At some point, the rubber's going to hit the road and you're going to have to have a spiritual conversation with somebody. With a family member, with a friend, with a neighbor. At some point, the rubber's going to hit the road and you have to have the spiritual conversation. You have to have the God conversation. And here's the reality of the situation. I cannot go with you to your family reunion to have that conversation for you. I cannot go to your workplace to have that conversation for you. At some point, me talking about God and sharing with you the gospel has to hit the road and go out into your world. At some point that has to happen. At some point that's going to happen. So I don't want you to be unprepared for that. I don't want you to be ill prepared for that conversation. You all are saints. You all are the ministers of our church. At some point the rubber has to hit the road. And that's what Paul continues on by saying this. And now, now we get into the commands. We hear some expectations that Paul has. We must no longer be children, so we must no longer be uh, immature. Tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. So what is the ministry? The ministry is the believers, the saints, gathering together and building one another up and building up and growing up into Christ, stepping up into his maturity, into his full stature by love, by caring for one another, by having conversations with one another, by speaking about God and speaking to God with other people. We build each other up until we all step up into Christ and into his fullness, into his maturity, into his stature. We gather together, we're joined and knit together, and then we grow up together by conversation, by prayer, by burden sharing, by challenging each other to live well and to follow God closely, by binding ourselves together and doing this work of love, we are actually built up to step up and grow up into Christ and into maturity. So let's get real practical here for a second. If you are out in the world and you get into a situation where you have a spiritual conversation, something bad happened to your neighbor or to a family member, and now you have to have the conversation about how you process pain, how you process suffering, or how you believe that uh, the afterlife works. At some point, those conversations are going to happen. And it's a whole lot easier to have that conversation out in the world when you've already had that conversation in the church. When you have gathered together with other believers 
and you have talked about how God operates in your life and how God has operated in the lives of others. As you pray together, you're going to learn how to pray. You're going to learn how to talk to God. You're going to learn how to talk about God. And as we build each other up and step up into Christ, suddenly, when we step out into the world, it becomes a whole lot easier to talk about God. Right? Every week, Pastor Ben and I stand up here and we talk about God. But at some point, you should talk about God too with other believers. Talk about his work. Pray with one another. Gather together and share your burdens with each other. Gather together and talk about what it means to be a Christian together. Gather together and talk about what it means to do whatever your calling, whatever your vocation is, whatever work that you do, being a parent or a manufacturer or a warehouse worker, whatever it is that you do. Gather together and talk about those things and talk about how God interacts and works in those things. And pretty soon it's easier You've had practice talking about God, and so then it's easier to talk about God with somebody who's not a believer. You do it safely in the community, and then when it's kind of risky when you're out in the world, it's easier to talk about God. As we grow and we build each other up in love, we grow up into Christ, we step up into Christ, suddenly we find that it's easier to step out into the world. This is what our life groups are for. This is what our life groups do. These smaller groups that gather together, and this is what they do. They talk to God. They pray together. They talk about how God is operating in their lives. They have those conversations, and the people who are maybe a little bit less experienced talking about God are brought forward, and the the people who have talked about God for a long time and talked to God for a long time are sharpened and refined because now they have people who aren't as equipped or aren't as mature asking good questions and doing those things, and everybody grows up together. They minister to one another. That's what our life groups do. And as we have those conversations, we build one another up, we pray for each other, then we step up into Christ and it becomes easier to go out into the world, to step out into the world. You all are saints. You all are ministers. So the invitation is minister to one another. Share with one another. Pray with one another. Care for one another. Laugh and cry with one another. Build each other up. Honor Jesus together. Work together serving your community. And you'll be built up into love. So as we close our Everyday Evangelism series, um, and you can go back and you can listen uh, to all the other ones at our, on our podcast or on our website, uh, we get to our last step. And this is our last step. Step up and step out. Step up into Christ together and step out into your world. A world that is in desperate need of a savior. A world that is in desperate need of hope. A world that is in desperate need and is longing for relief from the pain and from relief from the hopelessness. We have hope. We have joy. We have peace in Christ. So step up into that, step up into Christ, and step out into the world to share the good news. Amen? Amen.
feel a fit, feel 